this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Stuff like this isn't easy, and there was a time this week I said, Lord, I don't like doing this. I don't like to, to get into people's business. And the Lord said this to me, he said, you're not getting into their business, I am, because I want to set them free. And so, if you, yeah, he's, he's going to move today, like Pastor Jimmy said. If you need a Bible, raise your hand up real high. I'd like for you to get the, the Word of God in your hand. And then let's begin today in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Now, as you're turning to Luke 4, God wants to tear down walls in all of our lives. And part of that is so He can build new ones. But in order for that to happen, I, I can't deny the situations I'm in. I can't ignore them. And oftentimes, as human beings, it's easier to sweep them under the rug. But if I sweep them under the rug, I'm going to live my life in these certain bondages, and that's never God's idea. So let's begin, like I said, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and his custom was he went down into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed down the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Now, I love the because factor here. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty or deliver those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then Jesus closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, when Jesus just says this here, he boldly is introducing himself as the very one who would fulfill all the things that Isaiah had prophesied. And in, in to those people's astonishment, it's like, you're the one who says you're going to do these things. Now, I want to go back to verses 18 and 19. And in this passage here, the very things that Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would not only do and be, I want you to see that he wants to do it for every one of us in this room today. So the first thing he says there, the Spirit of the Lord has become me because he's anointed me. I believe the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus wants to be a part of your life. Where can you find that? Well, in John, John 16, Jesus said that. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, I won't send the Holy Spirit or the Helper to help you. And so the Holy Spirit is, is as much a part of our lives as it was with Jesus if we'll allow it. Now, the second thing he says is, I want to preach the gospel to the poor. In other words, Jesus wants every one of us in this room to be saved. He saved an old wretch like me. And he'll save a wretch like you. And he's still in the healing business and the saving business and all the stuff that he mentions. He goes on to say, and he says, sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And I'm going to come back to this one in a minute. To proclaim liberty or freedom to the captive, so he wants to set us free. He said, in recovery of sight to the blind. You know what that means? He wants to heal you physically, and he comes back to deliverance to say, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. 
Now, I talked about here that he said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. That's what we're going to talk about today because I believe every one of us in this room at one time or another have had a heart that's been broken. And that word or phrase, the brokenhearted, literally means that your heart is broken into pieces or it's been shattered. Now, if you'll note there, Jesus didn't say, I came to cope with it. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. A heart that's been crushed or a heart that's been bruised. Now, when I use the word bruised, if I was to have a, a bruise on my arm, let's say right here, you would be able to see it physically. And when you see that, a, a deep bruise on someone's body in a place, you know something happened to them to cause hurt or pain to that area. But oftentimes that when we have a bruised heart, which has to do with the internal, a lot of times people can't ever see that. And if we're not careful, we go through life and we hide the very hurts and bruises that we all have or have had. Every one of us in here are, are facing things. Now, often a broken heart will manifest itself when people deal with anger a lot. That's how it will come out. Also, a broken heart will be revealed by ones that are easily offended. If I'm a person that isolates myself because of loneliness, a lot of times that is because of the same thing. i got a broken heart, and then it can go to all the other end of the spectrum as far as a person that lives in an area of control or manipulation that says, you know what, no one's ever going to hurt me again, so I'm going to control the situation. But I found some things in the book of Psalm 27, so go with me there, that I believe is going to help us today. That Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted. And that may be you, and I would venture to say that every one of us in this room, or one time or another, have faced some form of a broken heart. Now, I'm just going to list things, and maybe this will identify you. I'm not judging, I'm not throwing rocks. Maybe you came from a family where there was divorce. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you had a teacher, a coach, someone that spoke something over you early in your life that literally was a form of a broken heart. So we're going to deal with this today, and this is going to be a good thing. Psalms chapter 27, verse 10. This is King David talking here. And he said, When my father and my mother forsake me, now, that word forsake often is translated here, rejected. And he talks about here what can happen when, when people become rejected. And often one of the signs of a broken heart comes from a root of rejection. That word rejection means to be thrown away as having no value or as being unwanted. Now, we see right there that King David says the word forsaken or rejection, but look how he ends in verse 10, and he says, Then the Lord will take care of me. And one translation, it says, Yet the Lord will take me up. Now, understand this. In this thing called life, people are going to reject you. People are going to forsake you. But understand that in Hebrews 13:5, the Lord said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And so he's saying, 
I'm going to take you up. I'm going to take care of you. Now, many times the issue becomes, do I receive God's love and do I receive his acceptance? And it's very easy for us as human beings to mentally assent it. But I can go through my life without having the reality that God loves me and God accepts me. And so let's go a little bit farther here. and Let's look what King David goes ahead and talks about in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. Not the way of man. Teach me your way. And I ask, lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. And in a sense here, he's saying, Lord, don't let the rejection that I've experienced in my life keep me from serving you and following you. And understand that this is one of the things that the devil likes to use rejection is to keep you from the things of God. He knows that when I have a bruised heart and I'm living in rejection, it's very difficult for me to live on the path that God wants me to have. Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as breathe out violence. And you know what? That's what people do all the time. Some not intentional, but it just happens. And he uses some words there that I want to highlight. He said, false witness. A false witness is one that the things he's saying about you aren't true. And even in King David's life, I go back and I look at all the rejection Maybe the greatest king of Israel that they ever had besides Jesus experienced. Remember as a young boy, as as a young man, he went up to the battle to bring his brother's food. And this was right before he, he fought against Goliath. And his own siblings rejected him. They went after him. That may have happened to you today. And then I looked at the man who King David, he he loved. He was King David's own mentor, a man named Saul. Saul rejected him, wanted to kill him. And I remember the passage of a man named Nabal who resisted Jesus. And if you think about in the passage of the place called Ziklag, where his his own mighty warriors rejected him. And so this was a man right here who understood rejection. And he said on there, though, that for false witnesses have risen up against me. Understand this. There may be things people say about you, but God hadn't said those things. And often, just like on the video, we allow the false things that people have said or accused us to determine or dictate the way we see ourselves and the the way we live. Maybe as a young man or woman, you were told you're useless. You're no good. You'll never amount to anybody. You're the description of failure. I'm going to tell you today, right now, that's a lie, okay? Father God has never said that about you. So we keep reading, verse 13. Now listen real close here because this passage is going to put some hope in you. I would have lost heart. Unless I had believed. Unless I'd have believed too. Unless I would have believed God. And this was a man who said, I would have literally lost heart unless I wouldn't have started identifying with what the Lord says about me. That God loves me. That God's for me. I like to say it this way. If God be for me, everybody else might as well. 
Because when God's for you, things are going to be good. And so he said, I would have lost heart if I would not have believed, if I would not have trusted that God accepted me. And he ends here and he says this, that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And I believe that all of you can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, in the life I'm living in right now. I know this, when I go to heaven, it's going to be great. But I can experience goodness in the land of the living right now. Right now that God will change our house and He'll change our life. And He ends in verse 14. A key. Wait on the Lord. One translation says stay on the Lord. Be of good courage or be brave. And He shall strengthen your heart. He shall give you a stout and enduring heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In other words, he's saying, listen, trust in the Lord. Don't lose heart today that he's going to change your situation, that he's going to begin to move in your life. Now, to understand this to a degree, let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Chapter 61, and as you're turning there, many times we've got to come to the place in our life where I understand God loves me and God accepts me no matter what people do to me. And i got to believe that God is going to move in my life and He's going to touch my heart. Now, I said this earlier that oftentimes the root of rejection, it will show up in other ways. In other words, the root is rejection, but the manifestation of rejection can be in these categories. Now, I want you to listen real close because this may identify you. Do you deal with anger problems? Because often that's how rejection will show up. Do you deal with insecurities? Do you deal with being easily offended? A lot of times that's because of rejection. How about this one? Once again, loneliness. Or do you think you have to control everything and manipulate everything? And a lot of times what these say is this. I've been hurt before, so I'm never going to allow anything to come against me again. And this is kind of how our life is. We keep a shield like this. I can tell you, I've, I've dealt with rejection. Even as a pastor, there was years ago that I'd gotten really, really wounded and hurt and rejected. And so, unintentionally, I would keep people at a distance, just like this. And my reasoning for that was, I don't ever want to get hurt again. But I can't go through life like that. You can't either. And so in saying this, every one of us in this room, we've been rejected before, and you're going to be rejected again. That's part of life. But how do I do, deal with it? Let me just share this real quick here. I think this will help some of you. When I was five years old, I got a brother that's uh, two years older than me. He was seven, and he was diagnosed with cancer. And I, I remember this real clearly. I, I can see all the, the gauze and the, the bandages they had on him. He, he took a, an incision of 130 stitches right here, and they removed all his clavicle. And I remember sitting in the living room and them telling my mom and dad, he'll never live out of his teenage years. Now, as a parent, if you're told 
you have a child and you're going to get them for at the most 19 years of their life. What do you do as a parent? You're going to say, I'm going to make every day count for him. And so the reason I'm telling you this, I don't have any animosity toward my parents at all because if I put myself in their shoes, I'd have done exactly the same. But before long, everything that began to happen was about my brother. I remember people would come to the house and they would look at me and say, I didn't come to see you, I came to see him. And as a five-year-old, you begin to erect these walls around you almost to the degree of, what have I done wrong? And when I start living in that arena, what have I done wrong or what's wrong with me? I, I start living in these walls of containment and, and when people don't value me, they don't appreciate me, they don't respect me, I put on this mask and I live through a pretend world, even though my heart is bruised. I pretend that everything's all right. And I remember people would bring him toys. And as a five-year-old, this man brought him, and it was the neatest thing. I mean, this was back in the 60s, guys. And they brought him this pinball machine. One that you could sit up in your bed and put on your lap. And I thought, dang. And this man looked at me, and I'll never forget, he said, we didn't bring that to you, we brought it for him. So what happens in there because of rejection? And I don't believe people meant it maliciously. But see, these are ways that it just gets in our heart and it begins to hurt us. And before long, you start living with a bruised heart and if we're not careful, we get used to it. And it's not healthy. Isaiah 61, and I want to start in verse 1 because this is exactly what Jesus spoke of back in Luke 4. It goes a little deeper here. Read with me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I want to pardon you. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Now the reason I want to highlight the word all there, that means every one of us in this room are a candidate. He wants to comfort all who mourn. I want to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me give you what the message translation says. I want to give you roses for past hurts and failed dreams. Probably covers every one of us in here. Every one of us in here have past hurts and failed dreams. And he goes on to say, the oil of joy or the message of joy for mourning or the news of doom. So Jesus right here is telling me, listen, I'm the one who can take the, the bad news of doom and turn it to a place of joy in your life where you can go on with life even though you've experienced hurts, pains. Keep reading. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of doom. The spirit of burden. To put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now think about that just a second. He's telling me 
that if I choose to put on the garment of praise, it will override that spirit of heaviness. How many of you have ever gone to work when you didn't feel like it? How many of you have taken out the trash when you didn't feel like it? How many of you have mowed the lawn when you didn't feel like it? How many of you have had to go shop at Walmart when you didn't feel like it? What's my point? Even though you didn't feel like it, you went ahead and did it. And often in our lives, the very cure for the spirit of heaviness is I praise the Lord even when I don't feel like it. And when I praise the Lord when I don't feel like it, it's a step of faith. I'm not going to jump out there. My knee's coming around, but I'm not going to do it. But see right there. There's times in my life I just got to get in my heart and say, you know what, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise you today because when I start praising God, you know what ultimately happens? I take all the, 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 the thoughts and all the attention off of me and I put it on Him. And He's bigger than all my problems. And He's bigger than all my hurts and all my pains. So right here, He's given us a little insight. And there's times, even when you've got a bruised heart, that you say, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise Him. Sunrise, I'm going to praise His name. Remember, even Daniel, he would praise and he would praise God three times a day, morning, noon, and night. I believe it's important that we learn to do this. So he goes on to say, that they may be called trees of righteousness, that we, be, we may be renamed trees of righteousness. One translation says that we'll be renamed oak trees of righteousness. Now, when you talk about an oak tree, it's magnificent. And, and it's distinguished above any other tree. How many have seen an old, old, old oak tree, and you look at the roots, they go so deep that they'll, they'll break up a, a driveway. They'll mess with a house because they're so, so big. And understand when he talks about here, this here, they'll be called trees of righteousness. Your roots determine your fruits. And he said, I'm going to change your roots. And when we talk about righteousness right here, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It doesn't matter how many times I read my Bible and pray according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So he's telling me here, I'm going to begin to move with you with who you are in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now what happens a lot of times as human beings, the devil doesn't ever want us to get going. He wants to keep you where you're at so he doesn't want you feeling right about yourself. And he knows if you feel yucky about yourself, you're not going to serve God. You're never going to be what God intended for you to be. And God's desire for every one of us is at times we've got to get out of the boat and walk on the water. But people aren't going to get out on the boat and walk on the water because I don't want to fail and I don't want to be rejected. So he keeps us right here. 
Now look at verse 4 because there's three R's in this. And I want you to say the R's. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. You know what that tells me? God's not done with you. He wants to rebuild the ruins of your life. The next one is, and they shall raise up the former desolations or the former destructions that God wants to raise you back up to the place He intended for you to be. And He goes on to say, and they shall repair the ruined cities. And you begin to see this right here. He wants to rebuild you. He wants to raise you up. He wants to repair the ruined cities, the desolations, the devastations of many generations. To get a hold of something here. Of many generations. How many of you have ever heard this statement here? Hurting people hurt people. And rejected people reject people. So often what happens to us as human beings, the very thing that was modeled in our lives, this is what we become. And I'm going to use this expression, but I don't mean it ugly. Monkey see, monkey do. And so some of the very things that maybe were displayed in your household growing up, you begin to mimic that or do the very same thing. And so I venture to say this, that your mom and dad, if they rejected you, it's most likely because they were rejected. Now, I'm not giving us a license to live that way, but what I am telling you is you begin to see the generational pattern. So you know what God's saying? I want just one of you that will rise up and say, I'm not going to... I'm not going to train up my children in the way of rejection. I'm not going to allow my siblings to determine if I feel rejected or not. And so the three R's right here, he's saying, I want to stop that in your life. I want to help you. Man, he'll do it too. He'll do it this morning. Turn a couple pages back to Isaiah 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Ooh, just one verse here. Verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prevail or succeed. I, I believe right here, the weapon the devil will use on what we're talking about today, he'll use rejection. That's a weapon. And if you'll note something here, it didn't say they wouldn't be formed. It just said they wouldn't prosper. And so when I read that right there, every day, every one of us in this room are going to have the opportunity to be rejected. But understand, it does not have to profit. It does not have to prevail in your life. And he goes on to say, And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn every tongue that brings accusations against us. You know who the chief accuser is? The devil. That's Revelations 12.10. It calls, calls him the accuser of the brethren. So what the devil does is he wants to yak about you all day. You're sorry. You're no good. 
You're never going to amount to nothing. And remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart if I allow them to. So understand, the devil's going to accuse day by day by day by day by day by day. But he says, anything that's ever tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the vindication of the servants of the Lord. You know what that means? I don't have to listen to his, his lies. So I go back. You know what I start doing? I start saying about myself what God says. There's not one time you'll find in the Bible that God says, you're useless. You're no good. See, you have a blood-bought right as a child of God to feel secure. To say, I'm secure in Him, but i got to get over to the place where I can trust Him and I can believe in that. And when the devil starts back and getting on your case understand this God didn't stumble across you God specifically picked you out and he said that's my boy and that's my girl Psalms 139 says this that I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you and my thoughts toward you who are that a good not evil my thoughts toward you are, are loving and kind I can tell you right now, with, with, with that verse right there in Psalms 139, not one of you in here is an oops. Not one of you in here is a mistake. God knew what he was doing. Look at the last part of this. And their righteousness is from me. My right standing is from him says the Lord. So he's telling me right here, listen, i got plans for you. i got a personalized plan for every one of you in this room if you'll just jump on my back and hang on to me. Now, how do we do all this, Pastor? I've heard what you said today. Go with me to Philippians. We've got two passages left. Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter 1. How do you react when people tell you you can't do that? See, some people will get a hold of it and say, I can't do it. I can't. And the ultimate goal here is God doesn't want you to stay where you live a life of, I wish I would have done this, I wish I'd have done that. Ultimately, what happens with people, we live in a, in a state called the wannabe family. Coulda, woulda, and shoulda. But God wants to get us out of that. And this is how he's going to do it. This is his personalized plan. Look at verse 6 of Philippians 1. Being confident of this very thing, that he, God, who's begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So understand right here what he's talking about here. He's going to complete it. He's going to help you if you'll just keep hanging around him. He's not saying that you've got to be perfect every day. You know the Proverbs say a righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up? See, the only time I fail is when I fail to get back up. If I'll keep getting up and keep hanging around him, understand, he wants to complete things in you. He wants to bless you. He's got purpose for every one of us in this life. No matter what your shortcomings are, you are a work in progress. How many in here... Shoot guns or bows and arrows. Anybody in here? I know there's several of you. 
the first time you went and shot your gun or the bow and arrow at a target and you didn't even hit the target, let alone the bullseye? How many of you threw down your rifle and said, stupid gun, I'm done? None of you. What's my point again? Well, the point is this. You know what you do? You go back to the shooting range the next day. And you shoot, and you shoot, and you shoot, until all of a sudden, you start mastering it. See, too often with the things of God, when it doesn't work on our timetable, we think God's done with us. But understand this. He who's begun a good work in you, He's going to complete it. If I'll just keep hanging around me. Look over a couple pages to the book of Philippians chapter number 3. And this passage right here is going to help you. Let this one get on the inside of you. Now remember we're talking about the Apostle Paul. This ought to give you hope right here because he says in verse 12, Not that I've already attained, I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So notice here, the Apostle Paul said, I press on. I continue to pursue. And the reason I want to highlight that is this is the man who, who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. This is the same man who at one time in his life described himself as the chief sinner. And so as I look at him and I think, he wrote the majority of the New Testament, and he says right here, boys, I hadn't attained. I just keep pressing on. And when I see the word pressing on, you know what it means to me? I just keep hanging out with Jesus. You start hanging around Jesus every day and get into his presence, he's going to change you. And then here's the next key that he gives us. Brethren, fellow believers, I do not count myself to have apprehended or laid hold of, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Apostle Paul's telling me and you, quit doing life through the rearview mirror. As long as I'm looking in the rearview mirror and always focused on the things I haven't done, I'm never going to reach these things. And he said, one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind me. See, it would be unanimous if I've said, how many of us in here have made a bunch of mistakes in life? Every one of us is in here, so we're all on the same, same, same ground. But the ones that go forward are saying, I'm going to press toward the goal. I'm going to keep looking at Jesus, and I'm going to quit looking at all that junk behind me. I don't recommend this, but how many of you, if your car's going this way, have you ever tried to re drive in your rearview mirror? Some of you are bad enough looking forward. That's a dangerous thought. But just think of that, of what he just said. Quit trying to do life in the rearview mirror. Because all it's going to do is you're keep going to keep wrecking, and it's going to cause devastation, destruction. Verse 14. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. He didn't say, i got to be perfect. He just said, I press toward the goal. 
So one of the keys here today is this, that I begin to say about myself what God says about me. What does God say about me? Well, according to Revelation 12, 11, he said that I overcome by the blood of Jesus. And in Romans 8, 37, he said, yea, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. He didn't say, yea, in all these things, I'm more than a quitter. I'm a conqueror. And so I got to start allowing the Word of God to dictate who I am. Not my past, not what people say about me, not what I've done, but I allow the Word of God. And when I stay attached to Him, there becomes a healing of that bruised heart. Think about a bruise on your arm. It doesn't go away in a day. I've had bruises that have been on me for a month, deep ones. But it will go away. And that's the same with the things of God. God's got a plan for you. He wants to move us into great positions. But I believe one of the bondages that we live in is a broken heart. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.